Welcome back to today's episode where I interview vocal coach Jenny Gucci. Now, beside the fact that Jenny's had a very illustrious life uh, being married to one of the Gucci family, she actually was a a world-class opera singer and has sung all around the world. She's extremely captivating in conversation and she's actually been my vocal coach. So if you listen back to my very first episode of my podcast, you'll be able to notice that my voice has developed somewhat since then. And during that process, Jenny's really helped me out in becoming more calm, more relaxed and really slowing down when I'm speaking. So I hope you enjoy today's episode. And don't forget that you can get my back catalogue of podcasts for free. All you need to do is search for The Gary Gunn Show on the iTunes store or any podcast player. So first of all, welcome to the show, Jenny. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here today. Thank you very much. So I guess we might as well jump right in and uh, ask you... What is the one thing that annoys you most about the way that people speak? I think laziness is the worst. And also, you can have an accent, you can be a Cockney, you can be Birmingham, anything. If the grammar is wrong, that is, ho- for me, that's horrible. You can you can speak with, as I said, with an accent. But if you say, he was going up the hill, not he, uh, he was, and... It doesn't matter if you drop your H's or anything like that. But uh, we was robbed. I mean, you know, it's just we were robbed. And that's what really gets me. So that that's um, gra- grammatical mistakes in the way that people speak. Yes. And what would you classify as laziness? Just by not using their mouth and their vocal cords. I talk like that, don't they? People on the phone, they talk. Hello, yo, yo. Can you bear with me a minute? They think, oh, set, speak, you know. Can you bear with me a minute? You don't have to have a cut glass accent. You don't have to have gone to Eton. It's just the total nasals and also the tone. You get girls are, hello, how are you? And, oh, God, no, I can't cope. Especially if I go on buses quite a bit. I love London, London buses. It's easy and I'm the age where I can keep going on them. So that's lovely. <laughs> and um, I change. You've never heard such bad English. And I think, oh, and they're English people. I mean, they're not foreign. Yeah, so <laughs> just laughing about. So when you say people don't use their mouth properly, um, can can you can you give me an like an example? Can you say something with your mouth and not use properly, and then with your mouth like use properly? He, so I can say. Yeah, I think I can. Yeah. The thing you even hear it on the BBC now, which really great, is he was a millionaire. It's millionaire. They don't say the L's. Millionaire. It's not. It's millionaire. So I'm assuming then that a lot of this comes initially from from breathing, from breathing in deeper yes. when you speak. Or yes, is that and not laziness. And can't bone idle. People just don't use their vocal cords. So you think it's it's laziness rather than just habitually learned from the family and friends growing up? Both. Both. Because I, I can understand what you're saying when you're feeling lazy it's very easy to speak in a lazy oh, yes, tone sure oh absolutely i'm sure i'm i'm guilty of that too mm. so what obviously when you're coaching people what's the what's like the biggest difficulty that you find to to move people away from from being lazy or bad grammar to speaking nicer um from speaking nicely nicely yeah good point i did say before this interview you're going to pick right. me up on something. so um <laughs> what it is is vowel placement. I have to be careful how I say that, don't I? Vowel placement. So um, A, E, I, O, U. And if you place those correctly 
and you say, um, oh, I mean, such old hat, but the rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. And most people say rain in Spain stays mainly in the plain. And it's not plain, it's plain. So, they so it's the yeah. vowels that catch people out. So when you're speaking in the English language, you should be enunciating the vowels and not the consonants? Well, no, you have to speak, you have to do it all as you do when you sing. But the main thing is the sound of the vowel sound that comes out. And that will help anybody that's looking to um, speak, be, uh, be understood better. Yeah, so if they, if we can speak with the vowels like you were describing, yep. then that would allow you to be understood clearer. Yes. Does it also... Make slows you, speak, you down. Yeah, as you say, it slows you down as yes, well. Yes, it slows you down. And the reason I used to, I mean, I come from northwest London. And um, before I left Italy, when I went to study opera, when I was, I think, 26, 27, though I spoke very well, my parents, my father in particular, spoke beautifully. Um, I still had a London twang. I knew I had because I was always pulled up when I was singing in Italian. And the vowels wouldn't be right. And when I went to Italy, of course, um, you know, being very young, tall and blonde, there were a lot of boyfriends. <laughs> and um, I had to slow down so much when I spoke because they understood, many of them understood English, but they couldn't, if you could talk like that, you're coming down there, you're going to the cafe, okay, I'll see you in a minute for an ice cream. Well, we would understand that, but yeah. somebody who's, who is not their mother tongue, wouldn't understand necessarily so I slowed down and with that slowing down I found that the tone of my voice was much better and that in the end I spoke very very clearly and precisely because I had to so when you when you had to slow down because you were living in Italy all of a sudden you realized that you could add add more texture to the quality yes. of your voice yes it's and, just like singing and that's that stayed with you after you left Italy. Oh yes, oh yeah. Never, you, it never. I've never gone back the other way, ever. One of the things that I imagine is difficult for people is is slowing down the speed Very, in which they speak at. Yes. Because a lot. I mean, one of my issues before I had vocal coaching with you was that I used to think I might bore people if I'm speaking slower. Mm. Yeah, and you said no at the time, and actually my experience of it is that people pay better attention to you. Of course they pay more attention. Yeah, the slower you do. are. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh, yes. And you know, I lived in New York for many, many years, 26 years or more. And um, my daughter is a new, basically a New Yorker, even though her mum's English and her father's Italian. And sometimes she sounds like a chipmunk. And she speaks beautifully, but it's, hi, I'm going up the fat. Blah, blah. I said, Gemma, what did you say? <laughs> and she's, Mum, I think you're going deaf. And of course, I'm not at all. It's just. <laughs> like that. And is that, is that, a, I've never been to New York. Is That's, that a common accent? Yeah, no. It is. Or not? It's just Amer It's a New York accent, not New York accent. It's American. They speak very fast, especially New Yorkers, because they're always in a rush and they haven't got any time. I mean, I'll give you an example. If you go into um, a bagel shop, um, which everybody eats bagels in the morning and. Oh, you know, or one of these bullet things that with juices and stuff. <laughs> um, you're here. This is what you're here. Hi. Um, give me, give me a bit. Give me a everything. Give me an everything bagel, um, and cream cheese. A slice to go. And you wait. Well, yes. Thank you. And thank. Ne never thank you. Really. Give me a plain bagel. 
uh, with salmon. That's what. Give me a plain, you know, with butter, with butter only. Never. Hello. Good morning. Yes, I'd like. Never. Why do you think that is? They have no time. Really? Is, is All it in a rush. And we're getting like that in London, I yeah. have to say. I've noticed living back here now that it's very much just behind New York in pace. Only a little. So when you were in Italy, was it a much slower pace of life as oh, well? Oh, yeah, it was gorgeous. How how did it contrast to how oh, it was in, L- in London? people are so laid back. They have the sun. They have fabulous food. They have all the... I mean, I used to just go to the local coffee shop that was in the um, a Medici building, you know, Medici building. Yeah, the Medici family. Yeah, yeah. And, and it was, you know, you, you just took it for granted, you know, and you think, oh, there's, what are those irons up there and we're hanging people and they're there with you, you know, while you're having your coffee and donut, <laughs> you know. So um, it's, it's um, wholly, wholly different. I think every country's different. Yeah. Um, I've been to Germany and been there a lot. I've just, I like to observe, but... That's why I love coming came coming back to United Kingdom because I was tired of the United States and I think um that we have so much we just get on a plane in Luton or wherever wherever you want to go cheaply and we go to totally different cultures and you know it's all very well to be one big slurpy nation it's never going to happen from that point of view. It may politically, but certainly people will always keep their traditions. Mm. And so, I think it's vital. Yeah, it's interesting that you, you notice such um, a big difference in, in the pace. So typically countries that are, or Italy's more relaxed, people would speak at a more relaxed tone. Mm-hmm. And could you like describe the difference it made to your singing as well? Because obviously you are um, an extremely talented opera singer. Well, talented singer when I... No, I always did opera um, yeah. and oratorio and I was only interested in the classics. I I had an equity card, which was hard to get in those days, and I auditioned for musicals and I got every single part I went for and I never took them up because I just was not interested wow. in singing musicals. I My love was the classics and I'm right. I'm true to myself. I've done it. Right till I've retired. What do you mean by the classics? I mean, um, you know, Mozart, Beethoven, Rossini. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, have classical music. I was never interested in being a star uh, on stage. Or and my love was to be able to sing with a symphony orchestra, or uh, you know, for three nights. It didn't have to be. I didn't need to be a jobbing singer. And I was lucky enough to be in that position where I studied and studied and studied and I get my craft got, I guess, much more polished. And I did what I wanted to do with it. Could you talk about some of the issues that you had with um, creating a better voice for yourself and how you overcame them? Was there like one or two (laughs) things that you couldn't do when you first started out and you actually learned to overcome them and, and added more texture to what you were doing? That comes with training of a singer. Um, that's why you train. I mean, even people like Pavarotti and Domingo and the, the you know the classic three tenors all had coaching. I mean, they don't need they couldn't their master classes when they sing. I mean, just to watch them, and you learn by listening to great singers and great orators, if you like, people that are wonderful speakers, and you learn. And a lot of my students don't even know about 
um, voice production in any way at all because they only listen to, which I'm guilty of, I listen to rap. Don't ask that. <laughs> my, my, my daughter's embarrassed by me. But um, it it's something that I think is instinctive with a lot of people. But you need, I've had so, I had lessons for over 40 years. And when, so you can imagine, yeah. you know, it, is it something that it comes, it's born in you that you have a classic voice, which I did at five. I was the loudest in the school, in the choir. They put me in the front to sing all the harmony at five and six years old. So it was born to me and it came very naturally to me. Mm -hmm. So when I hear people, I can train singers. I've had people that uh, can hardly make a note and they've gone on to sing wherever they want to sing, in choirs or in church or even, you know, acting and stage. So um, I find it, everybody's different, if that, that's the answer to the question. Yeah. And when you when you say about um, practicing and, and training and stuff like that, is there a, like a, s a set period of, of time per day when you can practice without hurting your voice? Because I'm assuming your voice is almost it's an instrument, so you don't want to you know, yes, hurt the, it. Yes, the, the, the big singers will sing for an hour and a half two hours with their coaches. And I, when I say big thing, I'm talking about the principles at Covent Garden. But the big thing is, is rest, vocal rest, because you will overstretch the voice. And that's um, not like ballet, where you really have to do it every single day. Otherwise, you scream with pain as you, you know, lift your leg up to your head. Yeah. Um, uh, in With vocal um uh, teaching you if you're tired you stop singing and how do you rest your voice do you do you, do you stop talking completely shut up <laughs> yeah so do, do, i've do, do, written stuff down for two or three days when i've had to do a perform you know sing in new york i'll do a concert and i've probably practiced too much with my pianist or something like that and he's got to shut up jen you know so, so you literally just don't talk and no. just write stuff down no make lovely rude gestures with your hands <laughs> instead mm. No, it's interesting to hear that as well, actually, because uh, as you know, I used to lose lose my voice a lot. I don't mm -hmm. anymore. Um, no, because but I did it's a strain to. on the chords. Yeah, and um, you'll get people always co <coughs> coughing. Yeah, how do you? Yeah, uh, because that is probably vocal strain. They're not speaking in the right place. I was going to say, um, can you offer any advice on on how to do that? So people that do lose their voice, I know that you've you've helped a mutual friend, Ian Preston, who's um, a big wedding singer in Spain. You helped him. He used to lose his voice a lot as well. And he's a wonderful singer. Yeah, he's um, good now. Yeah, yeah. like what, what is it? Is it something to do with the way that you breathe? Is it where you're speaking from? That's where you're speaking from. You okay. can't keep speaking through and through the nose like this. You put <laughs> absolute so much pressure. You hear people like that. You know, uh, so they're forcing. God, how it. how on earth you? How can you speak all day? <laughs> so so they're forcing through their nose through the top part sometimes of the nose sometimes the throat they don't it comes from the body mm. and it's very difficult to explain i was gonna say you have that. to stand in front of me and i say well look i know exactly what you're doing but it's it is such a technical thing singing and of course like great actors like maggie smith and ian mclennan and all these fabulous actors all have the most wonderful breathing. Mm. They have to do these great long ones. Well, it's the same as singing, except mm. singing you can make yourself a complete fool. You know. So are there are there some breathing exercises that you would do if you were going to perform this evening, for example? Is there one or two ones that no. you... There's not. So no, you, I'm terrible. Yeah, I was going to say, it's <laughs> interesting actually, when you speak to 
some um, various different singers. Some of them warm up meticulously. Other ones don't warm up at all. That's right. So you were the one that didn't warm up. I was one. I would warm up <laughs> with one of the pieces maybe that I was um, um, going to do for the concert. I may just go through it very on an E sound, E like that. And um, no, I didn't do a big warm up. Um, no, I think it's nerves. There's so much. You do what makes you comfortable, really. Mm. That's what you can't say. Oh, yes, you have to warm up with scales for half an hour. No, 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 no. Mm. On that note, then, do, do you think everyone is capable of singing? Or are there some people that are just tone deaf? And <laughs> oh, there are so many people that are tone deaf. I think from what I've done in the last nine years of teaching, I've taken note of that. Very often, I can honestly say, I would think I could get 90% people sing to sing. There mm. is a 10% that just, just can't do it. I mean, it just doesn't occur to them. You know, They yeah. can't hold a note, nothing. Is a certain amount of the way that you speak and, and sing to do with how relaxed you are when you're doing it? I mean, well, you have to learn that. Yeah, I was mm. going to say because personally, um, I've got better at speaking since I've become more relaxed as I've got older and more confident in myself. Yes, yes. So I'm, I'm almost and practice in front of you know when you have all your seminars. Yeah, yeah. And you practice and you, it really is confidence, mm. and a lot of it's psychological. You think so? Oh, I think so, yes. H how so? Um, fear. Fear of? Fear what? of going out and speaking to the public. Okay, wow. You know, have you seen people put their heads down when they're talking? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. It's almost a sense of shame, isn't shame, it, about doing yes. it? Yeah. And so once you get over that and you're, you're big-headed enough, or if you like, to be able to do it. Um, it. And, of course, I know shy people that have the most wonderful speaking voices. And they, it's, um, I think we could come back to our upbringing mm. some, somewhat yeah yeah mm. so would you say then if you if you literally just change your your body language from if you are speaking and you normally put your head down if you put your head up and chest back a little bit is that going to give you a bit more confidence it's going to help you yeah i can see how it would actually it's going to help you it may not cure you but it'll certainly help you, you know lift your head i mean even now um my coach when i go to new york um, um, because we're so such close friends, he'll say, "What are you staring at the floor for?" And I'm singing, you know, whatever aria of some sort. And I say, "Oh, I was pre. I can you stand up, stand, you know." And, and still, you know, there's that there. You're not, you're not always aware, and it's second nature to me to sing. So it's so yeah, that's you know, interesting. It's like part of breathing for me. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. So. If you can, um, one of the things that you, you said to me um, during our vocal coaching sessions, which really intrigued me, was you were saying that, um, I don't know how you phrased it, but you were talking about how, you know, it's been proven that, or allegedly proven that once you're earning over £50,000 a year, any more money than that doesn't make you any happier. And I think you were saying, well, actually, in your experience, that's not true. <laughs> that's because, not true. yeah, could, so I'm really keen to talk about this. So in your, your experience of this, obviously, you were married to a member of the Gucci family yes. and you had a, a very illustrious life. And, and could you just talk about your experiences of, of what that was like? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I had, uh, well, it was just magic. Uh, I mean, what can I say? You know, especially somebody that's in, who was handsome and suave and everything was swept me off my feet. 
madly in love and um when you just say oh go to the shop the manager's waiting for you um but pick out a bag and shoes for tonight and things like oh no we're going to new york oh no you can't wear that dress no 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 you can't wear that dress and he'd pick up the phone and call call couturier for me and I go to the atelier and be measured and I choose all the materials with him and I mean it's heady stuff for a young girl that's a H- student how old were singer. You? I was oh, I was twenty seven. Twenty seven. Wow. Been, yeah, so I'd been married before and whatnot. You, so, but so so you had obviously how old were you when you first met Paolo? Twenty seven. So you were t- okay, so before you were twenty seven then so you'd you'd lived a life before yes. you so you had the experience of going from where you were to living that lifestyle. Yes. You had the contrast. Yes, I had the contrast. I mean, I wasn't penniless, but I was a student and it was in the 70s. And of course, you know, everything was so much cheaper and it was all very different. I, one can't compare with nowadays and you've got all the social media now and computers and whatnot. We didn't have any of that. But it was incredibly wonderful and anybody people used to say to me when I was filing for divorce from him they say well you know the press you say well you know aren't you going to miss all the money and the and the jewelry and that I said no not really they said well it affect your lifestyle I said yes but I can go back to where I was before Mm. I didn't have that problem and so many, like my American girlfriend said, oh, you've got to stay with him. You've got to stay with him. Yeah. I said, I can't. I'm true to myself. And I don't want to be married anymore to him for many, many reasons, which I'm not going to go into. Mm. Uh, I've talked about it. There's a book and that's enough. <laughs> so so on the on the one hand, you enjoyed the, the lifestyle that you had. But on the other hand, you can take it or leave it because yes. you were comfortable before you met him. Yes, I was comfortable. But I can mm. tell you now, who anybody is listening, <laughs> money is absolutely fabulous. So is it? don't, don't <laughs> disabuse us. <laughs> oh, you don't need very much to be happy. No, you have to have a sense of self to be really happy, I think. But, um, oh, it's magnificent. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah so take it, off and go to the Caribbean for the weekend. And Well, not many people can do that. Probably can nowadays, but certainly not when I was around. So it's not, it's not necessarily the money. It's more the experiences that you got from having yes. the, the money. Yes. And being able to, what, literally do... Imagine Anything said, I wanted. How... Could you? Was it a sense of power? Then is that the is that the no, word? No, not be, for How me. would you describe it then? That feeling? No, it then? wasn't a sense of freedom. Sense of freedom. Incredible. So you felt free to literally do. I mean, I can't even imagine how that would feel to be able to just do whatever you, whatever want, you want, whenever you want, yeah. and not not worry about. I mean, was it at that stage you didn't have to worry about money at all? Oh, never. Huh? Wow. No. no. So what was the what's the the best memory you have or? or the most free memory you have of something that you did on the drop of the whim, which you, you would never have been able to do otherwise? Oh, boy. I think probably um, my husband called me from New York. Um, I was, I think, in Italy. I can't remember because we lived all over the place. And he said to me, I want you over here. You, I don't want to be apart from you anymore. And I said, well, look, I'm doing this study on the Roma, uh, in Rome. And he said, drop it all. He said, there's a ticket for Concord for you at the desk. In, in oh, Tudor. wow. Go and get it. And so. So you got the Concord too. Yes. From, where did you go from? From, <laughs> from London. How was that? <laughs> Tiny. You'd, good job I was thin. <laughs> how, yeah. How long did it take? It was super quick. So it was three. 
over going over i think it was 2 hours 30, 45 minutes from from heathrow to kennedy wow. and then coming back i think it's it was only 2 hours something so i got a round trip out but he came back with me we, we always traveled together yeah mm. see I'd, I'd imagine as well then that part of the lifestyle must have been to be going to all of these different parties all the time and meeting all these different people. Mm-hmm. How how was that? Was it stressful? Was it exciting? No, not stressful for me. The only time I got stressful was when I saw Placido Domingo or they were. I was going to sit next to them at dinner or that the, the, maybe the the family was sponsoring the first night at the Met, uh, the Metropolitan Opera, and I get to meet them all. Then I was completely tongue tied. My knees were going to me, but nobody else phased me. I mean, I've met so many very famous people yeah and no doesn't doesn't do it for me what's your experience of the difference in personality confidence and general aura of people that are at the higher echelons of success oh they've to- co- so confident compared to the everyday person yeah, confidence. how does that how does that come across their confidence is it just the way everything that the, the way that they dress the way they move is it just it's just success isn't it yeah and some people can handle it, but massive success. Others can't, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, like some of the big pop singers, and I mean, they were all heavily drugged and things like that. I was going to say, um, is that was that an, could that have been an easy trap for you to fall into the never. drug culture? But what? But was it was it in the kind of areas that you were? Was it big? no, not really, oh, not really? at that stage. No. So was and it- he was so anti-drugs. I mean, he hardly drank either. Um, I love champagne, of course, because <laughs> of course. I'm a girl. <laughs> but um, no, no, we didn't. I had one set of friends that were heavy into, you know, the cocaine department. And I just saw them deteriorate I was in front say, of my eyes. How did that, could you talk about how that played out? Because mm. that's, that's, it's, it's interesting to hear Very this. sad. I mean, they were okay. They're okay. But they're... Um, so how, how did it start? They're in their 70s and they're invalids. But how, so how did it start? They started going to the parties and then started... Oh, they go to the parties and they had like do lines of coke under the, into the toilets. Yeah. And I had no idea. And I wondered why everybody were always happy. <laughs> and I was so naive, you know. And uh, and then they'd have a scotch. And they'd go, well, they can't be doing drugs. And and um, Paula was very anti-drugs. So, you know. Mm, so you didn't... And, uh, no, it never occurred to me. And also, I'm far too... Um, if you like, I don't know whether the word is conceited. I'm far too vain to not be in control. Mm. I didn't want to be out of control in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And of course, he was the same. And uh, so, you know, that's where we got on very mm. well. I mean, we had a lot in common. And that wasn't one of the things that uh, that uh, we indulged in at all. Yeah, so when... when um that chapter in your life came to an end. Was there a big hole in your life? Because obviously you went from living this illustrious life, doing all of these things to, where you ended up in America or London? Oh. America to begin with. So America, was there this big void? Because I'm assuming that you stopped seeing the, the same people in all the parties and things like that. Or did you carry on doing no, it? No, I carried on in, doing so it. So independent of the breakup? Yes. Okay. So there wasn't really, a, there wasn't a big void in your life? Not or? really. I missed him. But not to the extent he was. It was. It was such a difficult situation, and separation, um, so difficult that I had peace on my own, and mm. um, with my little girl, and um, I managed. I managed very well. Poor as a church mouse, I used to have to 
sell paintings off the wall to eat because he wouldn't pay maintenance. But as I say, I'm not going to go into all that now. I'm so tired of talking about it. Yeah. It was many, many, many years ago. I'm if, an old lady yeah. now. <laughs> well, if anyone if anyone wants to, to know more about that, Jenny's written um, a book called Gucci Wars, which is available on, on online everywhere. I think yeah. it's on Amazon. Yeah, it's available think. on Amazon. So if you want to know more about that, then obviously there's a lot of yeah, information. Exactly. Yeah, no, it makes yeah. sense. And that says most of it in there. There's quite a few books that, that Gucci's, um, about the Gucci's. But um, no, there wasn't really a void I have to say no mm. I one thing that kept me going apart from my um, daughter um, who's the apple of my eye um, was the fact that I sang that was always been my life from a little girl and that filled always filled the void in my life so what what kind of um, what were you were you were you getting paid to sing at this time um, sometimes yep yeah, paid to sing of course because I yeah. was a, a professional but it didn't matter if I did it free, long as I sang, and I'm still the same. Really? Yeah. So yeah, it's amazing. So, so Jenny, will you sing Ave Maria at my wedding? I can trot that out now, even though I'm getting old. Um, I can trot that out pretty well. Do, 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 do you need a warm up to give us a little little? Uh, no, we're not notes. having any warm ups. I'm sitting in a <laughs> soft I'm, sofa. I'm trying. I've my, had, just had lunch. The I'm answer is my, no. I'm today. trying my best. <laughs> Keep I remember, trying, ain't gonna work. I, I remember in our vocal coaching, you just used to just come up with these notes out of nowhere. I'd be like, Jeez, where did that come from? Yes, and so th- to be quite honest, I had the most wonderful, wonderful support system around me, uh, apart from extremely expensive lawyers that had got their my own uh, interest at heart, even though they basically, they did take most of my settlement, that what there was of it. But um, the singing really did fill the, mm. the void so you, and still does. If I'm down or I'm that, and I listen to, I'm, I have my favorite singers or I sing with them and I feel completely and utterly, it's like, I guess some people go to, for marathons while yeah. I sing, you know, half of Aida if I feel like but, it. So this is interesting because it's almost like, um, it sounds to me like the music has, has filled a gap yes. in you. And I think in my experience of interviewing people, um, successful people are people that are talented everyone's learned to that everyone's got a gap in their life and everyone's learned how to plug their own gap in their life mm. and yours has been it since a young age oh tiny age yes yeah it's all i ever did i came home from school i would put on i don't know la forza del destino the verdi opera or something i was 11 years old and i knew every Every single part, the bass, the baritone, the tenor and everything. So it, that was just, I absolutely loved every second of it. Yeah. And I've been right the way through my life exactly the same. Wow. So do you, do you, are you, um, do you, do you sing for, for anything at the moment? Is it like friends, uh, weddings or stuff like that? Or? Oh, I will if I'm asked. No. <laughs> I've, I've had it now. No, so I don't, I don't, my last concert, I found that I was pacing backwards and forwards and I thought I can't do this anymore. So it's yeah. Be- because the nerve, you need nerves of steel. Really? And uh, my nerve was starting to go what, as why, I got older. Yeah. Why do you need nerves of steel? Because you try singing what I have to sing in front yeah. of an audience. You can't make one mistake. The orchestra will go out uh. and you're out of sync. And, and it'll be so. And the notes and the quality of the voice and how you breathe. Not how you breathe, but the beauty of, yeah. of singing. That's what the art is. And I absolutely loved performing. And then the last concert I did, which was about five, five six years ago, I thought, no. This is it. Yeah, I'm bowing out. You can feel. Yeah. 
So that's interesting then. So you, you, it's not only when you're singing in that realm, it's not just about controlling yourself. It's also having the pressure of everyone else is relying oh, on you. Oh, yes. Uh, he, not just relying on me. I mean, you're relying on them. So that must be a huge barrier for a lot of very talented oh, yes, singers. Huge. So you'd say there's a lot of amazing singers that just can't do oh, it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Wow. I mean, you've got to have it all to be able to do, like some of these great stars. Um, they, they, they've got nerves of steel. Yeah. I mean, I've worked with some great singers and I walk on stage. I, th- I thought, they don't know their words. Why is she going to do Madame Butterfly? She doesn't know that second act. They walk on. And they they go through it. it Me, just... I would have killed myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have to be absolutely perfect before I could even think of that. So you know, it depends on the temperament of the person. I think. Yeah, that's interesting as well. It's interesting to get an insight of what it's like to actually sing and be part of that lifestyle as mm. well. Um, oh, it's they're mad all opera singers. They're fabulous. They're very funny and they're fat and they eat and they drink. Completely different to the ballet crowd, which really? are also extremely talented and devoted to their art. But of course, they're stick pins and all beautiful. Is that, you know? is, is, that is there something in being bigger and an opera singer and having more power in your voice? Yeah, I think you need some. St- I think you need some substance behind you. Yeah, and mm. is does. Um, like physical fitness have much to play in an opera singer. Yes. So actually you want to be physically, like it's about training, being physically fit. Yes, it's good to train and, and, you know, only so far, I I wouldn't recommend, I don't think that any great diva or tenor run the marathon, for instance, because it can set up asthma if you're not careful. And then you know, it's a very, very insular, um, me, me, me life because you can't go in air conditioning in the summer, go from hot to cold. It, absolutely cripples the voice really mm. well air conditioning is bad for your voice terrible because it dries it out because it dries it out, out and will give you a sore throat or runny eyes and then you can't sing wow so you so Pavarotti used now I know I don't know about Pavarotti but I know um somebody that um when I was married to um the Gucci's um we were in Chicago and um there was a big do of some sort big charity thing 2,000 people and Sammy Davis was in the same hotel as us. And my my father-in-law, who was the big star, he said, we must send a present to Sammy Davis because, I mean, what a fabulous artist. I absolutely adored, adored him. And so he gave him a beautiful wallet or something like that and had it delivered by one of the, system, one of the managers in the shop in Chicago and knocked on the hotel room door and his assistant came to the door and said, oh, do come in. And he said it was 102 degrees in the room. And he was in a toweling robe because he was very small and you could hardly see mm. him. They said, oh, he said, oh, hello, Mr. Davis, are you? No, no, no. He said, I can't have any air conditioning on. I have to keep hot. I'm singing. And he sung in big, well, one of the big arenas that night. And he said, I've got a slight cold. So he said, I have to keep very, very warm. No air conditioning because I think it was like 102 degrees wow. in Chicago. And um, I mean, it was extremely hot. And uh, he wouldn't have the air conditioning on. And a lot of the, I think Pavarotti used to have his private jet, no air conditioning. Wow. Imagine Pavarotti with no air conditioning as well. Well, apparently, I mean, I wasn't privy to that, but I did know about Sammy Davis, who had a magnificent voice. Oh, he's brilliant. So so are there any other ways that you can protect your voice? Because obviously air conditioning is one. 
Now, you're talking air conditioning when you're talking being a performer. Being, being top I don't level, think yeah. You have to worry otherwise. Are there, are there other things that people you, that do that, that can damage their voice or, or or put themselves in a bad position with it? Um, well, a lot of, funnily enough, if you spend your whole day on the telephone, you will find your voice is croaky or tired at the end of the day. I can't talk anymore. Da, 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 da. I've been talking on the phone all day. And you can hear it crackling. Yeah, yeah. And you use a different voice when you... When you're on the phone, phone yeah. Than yeah, you yeah. do when I'm... Like I'm talking to you now. Yeah. It's always that much higher or more protracted. And again, as a performer, you couldn't spend... I, of course, I'd phone friends, say, hey, hi, you're coming tonight. But no protracted phone calls before you sing. Like... That's interesting as, as well. I did. I mean... Can't tell me Mick Jagger doesn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course he does, but um, Robbie Williams and people like that—they're all very protective of their vocal cords. They have to be. It's their money. When you're singing, obviously, I've never sung a day in my life. Mm. Do you do you breathe through your nose or breathe through your mouth, or is everyone different? Combination. Combination is what dependent on. Yeah, on the phrase. Okay. How much breath you've got? How long the line is that you've got to sing without taking a breath? I was taught always from the diaphragm, but I also used, you know, that yeah. sort of the uh, breathe in and hold. But uh, it's difficult on a podcast to even. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And what about when you, when you speak? Is it the same again? Sometimes people breathe through their in their nose, yes. or so it's not. There's no set rules no, into. No. Yeah. Again, it's what gets you through and what's comfortable. Because yeah. the, the interesting thing, Jenny, just from my experience of, of, of having coaching with you, is that there's so much information online about how to control your voice, how to do all these different things. And, you know, I've tried a lot of the things that I've seen and it's all it's all nonsense. And nonsense. actually, when I came to see you, you were like, ignore all that and do that. And it was it was amazing. I guess having the technical knowledge allows you to just cut through all of the all nonsense. Yeah. I think being a singer and have had... Probably, though, um, this not sound, sounds very immodest, but I've had four of the great, truly great singing teachers, very famous. And I started out um, with one very famous one in London when I was 17. And he taught everybody and his, his doggy as well. I mean, he used to have Streisand in the studio when she was doing Funny Girl and and so many stars. And his love, of course, was classic, was opera, and he had a few opera singers. And I, he was very, very booked. And I went and auditioned for him, and he took me straight away. And he said to me, there's only one thing I can say to you. And he was, whew, he was in his 70s then. He said, I have to tell you. He said, enjoy singing. Love singing. Don't make it a chore that everything has to be just so. He said, and he said, that's what I heard in you when you sang. He said, you had no business to sing that aria. He said, you don't tackle that till you're 32. And I was 17. He said, but you got through it. He said, and your voice is going to be very, you're going to have a fabulous voice. He said, if you study and, um, and then I went on to other teachers, but it one in Italy was very famous too. And I had his singing, his coach um, in the end, who was 92. And I did <laughs> Mozart with him and um, uh, from the Magic Flute. And I did something else. I can't quite remember what it was. Oh, yes, La Puccini Aria. And to, those, to this day, they're the very best ones I sing. 
They were coached in my voice. They knew every nuance. And so I had this enormous knowledge from these incredible maestros. And that, you know, literally if you're, you know, being sick backstage, they'll come along and say, right, do this, do that. And they get them on stage. And I think that's probably... um, probably my forte uh, uh, it's just to be frankly to be natural yeah that's interesting i mean going back to something that you said when you when you first went to italy and you learned how to slow down did you enjoy speaking more once you spoke slower so you almost what had more beauty to your voice it was almost like an art speaking yes it just sounded much nicer yeah then you know maybe probably higher pitch i can't remember um but my father and mother, my father in particular would always correct our English, uh, my sister and myself. Oh, is that where your strict grammar comes from? Oh, yes. So yes. from a young age, you were... Oh, yes. My father spoke beautifully, so did my mother. Yeah. But my father in particular. And they used to call him the man with the golden voice. But he didn't sing. My mother was the singer. So. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you played cricket. That's what he loved. But, um, yes, I think... Um, it's natural, never push. You hear so many pushing. I mean, I mean, I can be sued if I said, told you the singers that I think that are, are push and push their voices and you can hear it. And I, when I do hear them on the radio, I have to hold my throat because I can feel the pain in their throat. We, we won't mention names, but you, you, you mentioned someone a few years ago who actually um, has gone on to have very bad vocal problems since. And at the time you said they're definitely going to because they sing from their throat. Mm. <laughs> it was interesting seeing how that <laughs> followed happened, through. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. And it happened, yes. Yeah. It's funny, as I um, listen back to older episodes of my podcast, there's I used to do a lot of them just by myself. And there's times where... I feel like I was in a flow with the way that I would speak and mm. I would listen back and, and think that was almost rhythmical for the way yes. that I would speak. Yes. And I guess that's, that's it's the same. It's the it's same, the thing. same yeah. almost musical. It's a line that when they, in Italian is the legato, it's the line. So you keep speaking, you know, if I'm talking, I'm talking to you, but I keep on, um, we change the subjects and everything. But even I have trouble, if, for instance, when I have a pupil here for elocution, and they're they're reading from a magazine, and we pick subjects that we like. So you know, maybe it was a scientific one for one of them, and um, of course that's not my strong point. <laughs> but you know, anyway, um, and he started to get the real rhythm, and the accent started to go. And then, as soon as you chop and change, then all your habits come back. You see. So is yeah that makes sense and because a, a lot of um, actors say that if you want to learn to speak better than read Shakespeare because it's so rhythmic that's rhythmic yeah yes. and once you get into the flow you can actually then start yes. adding more more and then to and of words. course it's terrible I mean it, it's a real skill I mean uh, I've never done it it's I've enough singing I, I don't want to do Shakespeare I kill myself yeah I know. <laughs> No, it's, 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 it is interesting. Um, and it's also funny how, I guess, I'm a, a coach as well, but, you know, just some of the things that you, that you said to me at the time, they, they didn't quite sink in until I had the experience later in life to implement it. And I guess it must be the same for you with the people that coached you when you were younger. Mm. As you get older, it makes more sense oh. when you've got more experience behind it. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. You think, well, what, what are they talking about? And I want to sing you know, some <laughs> incredible aria that I had no business in, far too young to sing it, too weighty, too big. 
And um, of course, you know, they were 100% right. I'd get up there and I'd suddenly think, oh my God, I can't come down again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, because yeah. I don't have the strength in my body. And um, uh, so, yes, yes. And they were all wonderful. I loved them all. They were uh, my mentors. And, you know, I take that to my grave. Well, hopefully, Jenny, during this episode, um, we've got some listeners here that can take on board a few of the things that you've said and you can then pass your knowledge on via this. So mm -hmm. thanks very much for, for agreeing to be on the podcast today. It's, it's, been, it's been brilliant. And again, if anyone um, would like to know more about Jenny's history, um, her book's called Gucci Wars. I'll put a link to the in the description of the podcast so you can find out more there. So, um, yeah, thanks very much, Jenny. Okay. Some really great takeaways in that episode on how we can develop a better voice also adding resonance and just calming down and knowing that the more relaxed we are in conversation, the more people tune in and listen to us. So if you've enjoyed today's episode, why not share it as a gift with a friend? And don't forget that you can access all of my interviews for free. You just need to search for The Gary Gun Show.